This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. So much more still to come, but off the top in this hour, I want to get back into the issue of harm reduction, which we've talked a lot about. You know, with the midst of this fentanyl and opioid crisis, both Edmonton and Calgary are looking at harm reduction as a way of at least trying to get a grip on things. Uh, so supervised injection sites or supervised consumption sites uh, being examined in both cities. That is something they're talking about in Montreal and Toronto, too. And it's all modeled off Insight in Vancouver, which was initially meant to be a pilot project. The uh, Harper government had tried to shut it down, went all the way to the Supreme Court, of course, uh, and it's still there. The basic premise of Insight, of harm reduction, is that it's safer for users to use in a facility like this than it is on the street. There's no shared needles. Uh, there's doctors on hand in, in, you know, possibility of an overdose, etc. And as well, Insight has a, a facility attached to it called Onsite, which is intended as, as rehab. So is it maybe a foot in the door for users getting the help they need? Uh, so certainly there have been studies done indicating that Insight has had some success, certainly when it comes to uh, saving lives. But an interesting piece today the National Post and Post Media newspapers looking at kind of the downside of this approach and what has been created in the downtown east side around Insight. And if other cities are going to take lessons from Vancouver, maybe we should also be taking lessons on what not to do. Well, joining us is the author of this piece. Uh, his name is Tristan Hopper, columnist uh, for Post Media. Tristan, great to have you with us. Welcome back to the show. Hello, thanks for having me. Okay, so we've had insight in Vancouver for uh, some time. Now, as you point out in your piece, we're now into our, our second decade of this. So we've got a lot to study. And in fact, there have been a lot of studies on insight. But w- what do you think gets overlooked in the discussion? So basically, uh, when cities across North America are sort of seeing this overdose crisis and they're saying, well, uh, Vancouver had an overdose crisis and they sort of fixed it uh, with safe injection sites. So uh, basically, you've got your two opinions on safe consumption sites, uh, sort of the the two extremes. You've either got the, the government shouldn't pay to help junkies. And then on the other side, you have if you don't support this program. Uh, you're just asking for people to die uh, in alleys. So I was basically trying to write a story that sort of, you know, cut through those two arguments. And uh, the conclusion I came to is that uh, harm reduction. So that's, you know, that's what this is. The philosophy of harm reduction is like, don't, don't cure it or anything. Don't cure it or don't try to get rid of it. Just try and, you know, sort of maintain the problem and make sure that less people are dying or using puddle water to shoot up or getting HIV, et cetera. That's what a safe consumption site is. It's harm reduction. So what I'm pointing out is in the Vancouver example uh, with safe injection and a lot of other programs that could be considered harm reduction, uh, they're good at keeping people alive that day. That's what the science shows. So when people say there's, you know, 30 uh, studies is showing that the inside has been a success, inside is a success at precisely one thing and maybe a few other things. Uh, it stops people from dying. So um, I, I think it's important to know that uh, if your only goal is to stop people from dying, and that's a noble goal and it certainly needs to be addressed, but uh, it's not really going to help people kick drugs. Uh, it's not going to clean up neighborhoods. So it really has to be one part uh, of many other parts. So if a city has an overdose crisis and all they're doing is safe consumption sites and naloxone kits, it's not going to get fixed. Uh, it's just going to you know, keep bodies out of the morgue. 
Right. It's like it's like maintenance therapy. You're 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 trying to uh, keep things from getting worse. Now, part of what what Insight offers, or I guess what's attached to Insight is a, a program called OnSite. And I think the hope is that by having users or addicts come into Insight and uh, inject in a supervised setting that they can also sort of be directed to to OnSite or made aware of what OnSite offers. So, I mean, as as that helped. Uh, so yeah, that, so, so there are. Uh, if you ask insights uh, on their website, they'll say, "Well, you know, safe consumption uh, helps people to kick drugs." That's the the sentence they use. I'm not that convinced. So the studies they point to, uh, there, there's two studies that found that uh, referrals go up and that uh, entrance to detoxification goes up. But there's no real long-term studies to show that as a result of this, more people have been able to kick drugs. And if you just look at the downtown east side. Uh, there is more homeless. There is more obvious addiction. Uh, there's more just street disorder, crime, everything else. I mean, the, the neighborhood has clearly gotten worse since Insight went up. That's not all Insight's fault. Um, I, I mean, Insight will say it would have been worse if we weren't here. Uh, so what I'm basically saying is uh, we're, we're trying to emulate the Vancouver strategy. Now, in emulating Insights for this very specific task, be very careful about avoiding all the other stuff Vancouver did wrong because Insight has kept whatever, several dozen people alive. But at the same time, the whole neighborhood has gotten way, way worse. Uh, so because I don't think they've sort of thought around, thought about the, the other things that have to complement uh, harm reduction, it is, uh, it is very much, and having lived close to the neighborhood, uh, it's very much an entire neighborhood devoted towards uh, harm reduction. And I think it's just the impact on sort of, you know, uh, quality of life has been quite negative. Well, the downtown the downtown east side is unique. Uh, there's not really anything like it in in Calgary or Edmonton, or for that matter, Toronto or Montreal. But then maybe it begs the question as to well, well, why is it like that? Why is the downtown east side as it is? I mean, how, how did it get so bad? Uh, so, uh, for for people who work in the east, downtown east side, uh, the police, social workers. Now, if if they're trying to tell you how to stop uh, further downtown east side, they say, well, don't concentrate all your services in one neighborhood. So, what prompted this story was Edmonton uh, voted to establish four safe consumption sites, uh, basically around uh, one of the poorer areas of town. Uh, they're all within walking distance of one another. So, uh, the neighborhood is saying, well, if you just throw all these sites in. Uh, you're basically killing our neighborhood. And, uh, you know, you, you can look at the downtown east side, which has seen an increasing concentration of services, and it kind of has killed the neighborhood. I, I mean, you know, they're, they're, just in terms of uh, disorder crime, uh, there, there's some met- metrics that I sort of point to in the story. Uh, so uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is uh, things like the services have to be spread out. So if you just have a strategy of, well, to sort of rope off this neighborhood, and that'll be sort of our addict neighborhood, and we'll just try and keep everybody as safe as we can, uh, that is going to come at a, a pretty severe cost. Right. There's another aspect to all of this, and you need to touch on it in your piece, because uh, I was reading elsewhere, there's there's another pilot project in Vancouver where addicts are, are in a, a program where they're actually being provided uh, pharmaceutical-grade heroin. Uh, for users in the downtown east side, that's not the case. So they're still using, but where are they getting their drugs from? So it's the, the model is uh, well the I guess the the official term is pre-obtained drugs. 
so this is something that the Vancouver police have pointed out, is that if you've got about 700 injections a day at Insight, that's a lot of illegal drugs coming in. And the whole reason you need a safe injection site, especially during the fentanyl crisis, is because this is sketchy drugs coming from the black market. I mean, that's that's why people are saying we need more safe injection sites, uh, because uh, you have fentanyl being cut into heroin. So it does seem to be... And, uh, you know, maybe the solution is uh, providing heroin rather than just leaving it to street gangs or whatever. Uh, But, yeah, it does seem to be a huge missing plank uh, that you have a safe consumption site. uh, But, of course, it's still dependent on huge amounts of uh, illegal drugs coming in. And then you have people, addicts, uh, who have to obtain these drugs. Uh, so, I mean, you still kind of, it's, I, I don't think it's uh, unfair to speculate that uh, you're, you're still going to need a, a crime economy to uh, sustain that. Now, Insight's not a, a huge facility. Do, do we have any idea in terms of the overall population of users in and around the downtown east side or addicts, how many are actually making use of Insight? Uh, I don't know that. So the the, uh, the, the studies actually looked at the area immediately around the inside. So when they say it reduces mortality, uh, that's not mortality for the, the whole city or for the downtown east side. They said, if I think it's two blocks. Within this particular block radius, uh, we've reduced fatal, or fatal overdoses by uh, 35%. Uh, so, um, sorry, the question was uh, w- what effect it will have empirically? Well, just in terms of whether it's enough to address the problem, I suppose, if there were, if it was a larger facility, if there were more facilities, even in the downtown east side or elsewhere in Vancouver, would it, would it allow others to, to make use of it? Are, are there addicts who, who simply don't bother? Uh, my takeaway was that you would need uh, quite a lot of these facilities. And uh, I think this is people who are very, very pro, pro insights and want more safe injection sites. Uh, I, I think, uh, yeah, for for it to sort of work and to completely eliminate overdose deaths, because you have insight there, and still overdose deaths are the highest in Canada for the downtown east side. So even with this facility, uh, it's it's really only making a dent in a crisis that's seen, uh, I think, over 100 deaths this year, over 200 deaths last year. I mean, there was uh, one night in December where I think you had eight overdose deaths in one night uh, in the downtown east side. Uh, so people are saying, well, we need more of these. We need 24-hour versions of these. Uh, so, yeah, I think to completely put the brakes on the problem, you need a lot more of these facilities. Um, and uh, I mean, that, that could come with its own, its own neighborhood consequences. Well, and that's the dilemma we're stuck in, Tristan. There's, there's no easy way out of this mess. We can't harm reduction our way to a solution. We can't, you know, arrest our way to, to a solution. There, there's no panacea here where we can just wave a magic wand and you know all these addicts are, are cleaning up their their lives and they're in in rehab and everything's there's great i mean it's just there is no easy answer here is there i guess well the uh, the, the concentration of services thing the reason that comes up is it's because it's basically impossible to kick drugs drugs in the downtown east side so you, you imagine and uh, i think it's fair i i like that we're, we're treating addiction as a medical problem rather than this sort of you know, old-fashioned, moral, failing type argument. So, okay, so you, you're, you're addicted, that's a medical problem, and then, uh, so you go into detoxification, you get out clean, you still have subsidized housing in the downtown east side, and uh, the minute you step onto your front doorstep, all your friends are addicts. Uh, I mean, and there, is, there will be someone offering you drugs within a matter of minutes. I mean, whenever we send a report to the inside, they are offered drugs. Uh, and then you have a whole neighborhood that is essentially geared towards uh, the consumption of drugs. Uh, I mean, you, you've got insight to help you 
help you inject. I mean, you've got services to provide you uh, with food and clothing. I mean, it, it's almost all services in the downtown east side. So if you stay there, uh, I mean, you got to break your habits. You need uh, sort of a social network beyond drugs uh, to get free of it. And that just does not exist uh, in the downtown east side. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to do with this piece is say, okay, you know, safe injection works in, in very limited uh, ways. But uh, be very, very, very careful about building your own downtown east side uh, because 10 years from now, uh, there's going to be another fentanyl type crisis and it's just going to be worse. So harm reduction was very good at getting rid of the AIDS crisis, but then another crisis comes on and uh, it's hit harder than anywhere else in Canada. Well, good point. Uh, Tristan, we'll leave it there. More at uh, nationalpost.com. Appreciate it as always. Thanks for joining us here. Thanks so much. All right, that is Tristan Hopper, columnist for Post Media. we got to take a break here. We've got a lot more still to get to on the program today, 403-974-TALK. Uh, by the way, I want to get to some audio of the mayor this afternoon. He talked about this arena survey that someone city council did, and he was also asked about this big old legal bill that some folks are helping him pay back and getting a tax receipt in the process. So we'll uh, let you hear what the mayor had to say about that. Uh, and, oh, too, I want to talk about fellow by the name of Richard Overton, who is, uh, should be our hero. What an amazing guy this is. It's his, well, I'll tell you why. It's his 111th birthday today. Richard Overton is the oldest surviving World War II veteran, lives down in Texas, uh, credits his longevity to smoking cigars and drinking whiskey. <laughs> it's true. And by the way, and he eats ice cream every day. He still drives, or at least he was still driving as of a year or two ago. You know, on top of it all, and I mean, he's, he's an African-American. And you think a, a guy was born in, what, 1906? Everything he's seen in his lifetime, to the point where he was able to meet and shake hands with uh, a black president. So, yeah, it's his birthday today. I want to tell you more about uh, Richard Overton some point through the day. So, like I said, a lot more still to come, but we got to take a break. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.